Letter 4 of Letters from a Farmer in Pennsylvania. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bruce Moser. Letters from a Farmer in Pennsylvania by John Dickinson. Letter 4. Beloved Countrymen, An objection, I hear, has been made against what I offer in my second letter, which I would willingly clear up before I proceed. There is, say these objectors, a material difference between the Stamp Act and the late Act for laying a duty on paper, etc., that justifies the conduct of those who opposed the former, and yet are willing to submit to the latter. The duties imposed by the Stamp Act were internal taxes, but the present are external, which therefore the Parliament may have a right to impose. To this I answer, with a total denial of the power of Parliament to lay upon these colonies any tax whatever. This point being so important to this and to all succeeding generations, I wish to be clearly understood. To the word tax, I annex that meaning which the Constitution and history of England require to be annexed to it, that it is an imposition on the subject for the sole purpose of levying money. In the early ages of our monarchy, the services rendered to the crown for the general good were personal. But in progress of time, such institutions being found inconvenient, certain gifts and grants of their own property were made by the people under the several names of aids, tallages, talks, taxes, subsidies, etc. These were made, as may be collected even from the names for public service, upon need and necessity. All these sums were levied upon the people by virtue of their voluntary gift. The design of them was to support the national honor and interest. Some of those grants comprehended duties arising from trade, being imports on merchandises. These Chief Justice Coke classes under subsidies and parliamentary aids they are also called customs. But whatever the name was, they were always considered as gifts of the people to the crown to be employed for public uses. Commerce was at a low ebb, and most surprising instances may be produced how little it was attended to for a succession of ages. The terms that have been mentioned, and among the rest that of tax, had obtained a national parliamentary meaning, drawn from the principles of the Constitution long before any Englishman thought of regulations of trade by imposing duties. Whenever we speak of taxes among Englishmen, let us therefore speak of them with reference to the intentions with which, and the principles on which, they have been established. 
this will give certainty to our expression and safety to our conduct but if when we have in view the liberty of these colonies and the influence of taxes laid without our consent we proceed in any other course we pursue a juno indeed but shall only catch a cloud in the national parliamentary sense insisted on the word tax was certainly understood by the congress at new york whose resolves may be said to form the american bill of rights i am satisfied that the congress was of opinion that no impositions could be legally laid on the people of these colonies for the purpose of levying money but by themselves or their representatives the third fourth fifth and sixth resolves are thus expressed three that it is inseparably essential to the freedom of a people and the undoubted right of englishmen that no tax be imposed on them but with their own consent given personally or by their representatives four that the people of the colonies are not and from their local circumstances cannot be represented in the house of commons in great britain five that the only representatives of the people of the colonies are the persons chosen therein by themselves and that no taxes ever have been or can be constitutionally imposed on them but by their respective legislatures six that all supplies to the crown being free gifts of the people it is unreasonable and inconsistent with the principles and spirit of the british constitution for the people of great britain to grant to his majesty the property of these colonies here is no distinction made between internal and external taxes it is evident from the short reasoning thrown into these resolves that every imposition to grant to his majesty the property of the colonies was thought a tax and that every such imposition if laid any other way but with their consent given personally or by their representatives was not only unreasonable and inconsistent with the principles and spirit of the british constitution but destructive to the freedom of a people this language is clear and important a tax means an imposition to raise money such persons therefore as speak of internal and external taxes i pray may pardon me if i object to that expression as applied to the privileges and interests of these colonies there may be external and internal impositions founded on different principles and having different tendencies every tax being an imposition though every imposition is not a tax but all taxes are founded on the same principle and have the same tendency external impositions for the regulation of our trade do not grant to his majesty the property of the colonies they only prevent the colonies acquiring property in things not necessary and in a manner judged to be injurious to the welfare of the whole empire but the last statute respecting us grants to his majesty the property of these colonies 
by laying duties on manufacturers of great britain which they must take and which he settled them in order that they should take what tax can be more internal than this here is money drawn without their consent from a society who have constantly enjoyed a constitutional mode of raising all money among themselves the payment of this tax they have no possible method of avoiding as they cannot do without the commodities on which it is laid and they cannot manufacture these commodities themselves besides if this unhappy country should be so lucky as to elude this act by getting parchment enough to use in the place of paper or reviving the ancient method of writing on wax and bark and by inventing something to serve instead of glass her ingenuity would stand her in little stead for then the parliament would have nothing to do but to prohibit manufacturers or to lay a tax on hats and woolen cloths which they have already prohibited the colonies from supplying each other with or on instruments and tools of steel and iron which they have prohibited the provincials from manufacturing at all and then what little gold and silver they have must be torn from their hands or they will not be able in a short time to get an axe for cutting their firewood nor a plough for raising their food in what respect therefore i beg leave to ask is the late act preferable to the stamp act or more consistent with the liberties of the colonies i regard them both with equal apprehension and think they ought to be in the same manner opposed habemus quindum sinatus consultum tenquam gladium in vagina repositum we have a statute like a sword in the scabbard a farmer end of letter four